Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, you know what? I'm just I, I, so heated because of what, what you're telling me because I, I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for candy. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Go to... Go to Italy. If you ask, open some fucking no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is the fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Eries, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put Um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Sabarin, Baronson, Thompson, Akers, Hess, Roberto, Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Pitcher, Bono, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marseille, McCreary, Leffley, Eccles, Stonehawk, Palace, Harry, Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues. The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Well, hello there, cowpokes, and welcome to Blue Notes. Relegated to dealing with the pests out west, the coyotes will not stop roaming. We've still got that Stanley Cup, yes, sir, but we're fucking stuck in the desert, and because of fucking corona, 
we're talking about Arizona. This is your home for the never-ending Arizona Coyotes nightmare. I'm your lead buckaroo, Franklin Thomas, joined as always by my deputy sheriff, Waggy Michael. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going absolutely wonderful. Uh, loving the country accent there. That's uh, that's some really good hillbilly stuff there, and it, it makes sense. I think we're both kind of delving into the nightmare that is Arizona, and I I tell you what, I, I've been driving around waiting for the tumbleweeds to blow across my my drive home because <laughs> we're, all it is is coyotes. That's all I'm seeing. Yeah, this is this is me trying to accept our new reality, and that is if we want to be fans of blues hockey, uh, we're going to have to just accept playing the coyotes all day, every day, every single time. It's getting old. It is getting old, but I'm trying. This is this is this is Stockholm syndrome here trying to settle in here everything is backwards and up is down left is right and we are stuck in this never ending coyotes nightmare so welcome to blue notes everyone on that very happy note uh of course we are on uh, facebook twitter and instagram at blue notes pod we also have the blue notes bunch uh slash justin falk stand club on facebook as well join in on the conversation there and um I have kind of noticed lately just blues Twitter in general seems to be kind of just it's it, the, the sizzle is off the stake. Basically there, there's no more sizzle. And I think it's just because wags we're, we're, we're playing. We've played the coyotes four straight times. We've lost the last three and we're playing three more games against the coyotes before we play anyone else. I mean, I mean, it, it is so appropriate that this whole series started around Groundhog Day because we are living the Bill Murray nightmare. Oh, we certainly are. It You wake up and you go, who are we playing today? The Coyotes. Who are we playing today? The Coyotes. Like, what, what is going on? And I think what makes it worse, and I think that the reason people are so antsy, I guess, on Twitter is the fact that these are games that the Blues should have and could have won. Uh, the fact yeah. that the last game, 0.4 seconds left on the clock when Clayton Keller scores. These are just momentary blips on the radar. And unfortunately, it's against the one of two teams that the Blues have struggled against the last four years. And it's a team that plays the same style. We talked about this with Corey and Richie. It's a team that plays the same exact style as the Blues. They don't play well against it. They're still sitting in second place. Yes, the yes. Golden Knights have three games in hand on us. Yes, Colorado has a couple games in hand on us as well. but. Right now, they're still in second place. So let's not jump off the bridge just yet. No, don't jump off the East Bridge, whatever you do. Please don't, just in general. It, this, th there will come a time, guys, very soon, when we will be playing another team besides the Coyotes. Uh, I was talking with the Hawaii Blues fan about this earlier today. He's working, I think, on an article talking about maybe the benefits of playing the Coyotes seven straight times. And the most obvious benefit is the fact that we were scheduled to play the Coyotes eight times this season. We are going to take our lumps now here in February, and then we'll get to move on. We'll play the Coyotes one more time sometime in April. April seems like so far away, especially when it's so cold out, Wags. Oh, I mean, yeah, it is... It is. This is this is the uh, the uh, the uh, Arctic freeze here in St. Louis. We are in the midst of it here right now. We got snow on the ground. We have you know Hoosiers in, around St. Louis. You know not being able to cope and deal with said snow and ice and getting into crashes all the time. Um, it is. It, I, I guess it just. I guess it just kind of as my cats decide to suddenly <laughs> go to war against each other. Good grief! Oh guys probably heard that in the background um yeah it, it, it's just it's just been a weird week and i'm I, I do kind of getting back to the two guys point you know about taking you know on the coyotes now i mean yeah we need to figure out how to beat these guys because you know if if we keep giving arizona wins they might actually be battling for a playoff spot, you know, as we originally thought they would. I mean, we all four of us before the season thought that Arizona would be the fourth team to go into the playoffs. It hasn't materialized like that yet. I mean, Minnesota turns out they're actually tired of being mediocre and they're actually looking pretty decent this year. Um, just as one of the teams of, you know, that they're competing against. Um, but it, it's like, it's like you have to eventually 
Good God, cats. Um, <laughs> eventually, and like, like seriously, like, like they're chasing each other around, and now they they they've progressed to just breaking shit. It's 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 amazing. I'm I'm pretty sure I have a controller that is uh, in a few pieces in the living room. But anyway, um, back to what I was saying about the coyotes here. On point today. On track. <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah, it, we have to learn how to beat these guys. You, yeah, it's it, it's like. For the longest time, you know, when the Blackhawks were, you know, making their Stanley Cup runs, we would always run into the Blackhawks in the playoffs. They would, you know, stuff us in a locker. You know, we eventually had to overcome that. And we did with, you know, thanks to Troy Brower, former Chicago Blackhawk. Um, we eventually had to overcome our California nightmare in the playoffs because all three, Los Angeles, Anaheim and San Jose, loved ruining loose playoff runs. And we did that, you know, by taking out San Jose uh, in the uh, Stanley Cup run. So you have to eventually overcome these. You can't let these teams, you know, just completely own you over time. And I, I kind of liken it to cough medicine. Like, you know, when, when you were growing up and I was growing up, no one, no one liked, no one ever likes taking cough medicine. Okay. No. It had the taste of cough medicine has not improved noticeably over the years. But the best way to take cough medicine is to not fret about it and just gulp done over and then have a chaser, you know, behind you here. Um, that's kind of how I view with the coyotes here. Get it over with. Get it done. Because by the time April, May rolls around, we're not going to remember this series, which at least I say that because I don't know. This is this has been a hard series, Wags. I mean, we've, we've, we've dropped three already. We've uh, the team is looking very tight. You know, they there's 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 some issues with confidence with this team. And when you're playing a team like this, th this is just such a weird situation. And I think the Blues are doing the best with it as they can right now. But I just can't wait for the series to be over. Yeah, when you, have, you have to look at it, too, that this team is still trying to come together as a team because of the yeah. additions and a, and a Hoffman and a Krug and, and things like that. And to your point, yeah, it's, it's nice to get it out of the way. It's great to be done with that. But here's the one caveat to that. Sure. You're, you're saying right now that we're learning, you know, we have to beat them. We're learning how to beat them. You're going to go two and a half months between playing them. If they're your competitor in the playoffs – you will have not seen them for two and a half months. So True. the lesson, either the lessons you learn now aren't going to apply, or you're going to completely have forgotten the lesson that you have learned during this last week and a half. And that's where I think it can get a little bit tricky. Yeah. You could also say, well, if they lose all six, if they lose six of the seven games, they can put it out of their mind. And by the time the playoffs roll around, it's not there anymore. But the flip side is true as well, where if you found a way to beat them, and you got under their skin, now you're letting that sit for two and a half months, and it may not be the same when you get into the playoffs, and we might be in the same boat again. So, yeah, I'm with you. I I, I want to get rid of it as much as possible. Yeah. I'm ready to be done with the Coyotes. But it is a little scary that if they do make the playoffs, they may be one of the teams that the Blues match up with right away, and not having but maybe one game of you know reacquaintance before that, that, that worries me just a little bit as well. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. It is. It really is. And I feel it kind of the Blues are in a situation right now with this series where it feels like they need to win at least two of the next three mm -hmm. against Arizona. Because, again, I kind of like I like I alluded to before, you don't this is not a team you want to have getting momentum behind them, you know, because they have a lot of young talent. They have a good goalkeeping tandem and they're a team that, you know, always to me kind of felt like, well, they need something to, you know, make everything click and get everyone all together. I don't want that something to be the blues. So they need to win at least two out of three here. And, you know, and it's, and, and I guess maybe another slight benefit to this is the fact that you're essentially, even though we're kind of weary of the coyotes now, it is a playoff series type of an atmosphere. You know, when you're playing, a, I mean, like we were talking before the season, how the Blues were going to play, I think it's Minnesota four straight times later on in the season. And then they have a three-game set, I think, with Colorado, you know, around that time as well. And we were thinking, oh, God, they're going to really hate each other after two after two or three games against each other. This is seven. This is seven. Name a seven-game hockey series 
in the history of hockey where by the seventh game, both teams aren't at each other's throats? I can't. <laughs> no, it, it's impossible. It's impossible. And, and, and so it's like, I guess maybe you could say this is this is playoff practice. Well, yeah, you could. And and that's another good thing that you can take away from this is the fact that you're getting that experience early on in the season now. So you can kind of feel like the, the play is ramping up. So now instead of waiting until the last two or three weeks of the season to get that playoff intensity ramped up, now all of a sudden you're ramping it up now. And hopefully you can kind of carry that through the entire season into the playoffs. It might get a little tiring. Yes. And yes, the built-in times where they had maybe four days off is not going to go away with the rescheduling. But I like the fact that this team is going to be getting into playoff form because now we're going to be able to see what they really are about. Are they yeah. a team that can get up for the playoffs? Are they a team that's going to be able to continue and carry that momentum? Something I don't necessarily believe in, by the way. But mm. it's going to be a real proving point for this team over the next couple of weeks after this series is over, they're going to be able to continue on playing the way that they are hopefully going to play in the next two to three games against Arizona. Yeah, that's definitely fair. And, you know, I guess there is the philosophy of, you know, trial by adversity, you know, where, you know, a, a situation like this might, you know, by the time the Blues come out of the series, maybe they're finally looser. Maybe they're finally more cohesive. This is how this is how the team gets over whatever issues it's been having starting out the season, which again, they, they have a good record. They're second in the West. I mean, they're not playing bad hockey. In fact, I can't really say, except for maybe one of the games against Arizona, they've necessarily played bad per se. Nope. I mean, they, they haven't been truly horrific or anything like that. They've, they're getting good contributions from certain players. Of course, we've, we've, we, we love Justin Falk now because it's 2021 and everything is backwards. Um, but we also like, you know, I mean, I mean, Tory Krug's had a good start, you know, for the Blues. I mean, he's 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 his plus minus, I think, is in the double digits now. Um, you know, he's we haven't really talked much about Krug, but, you know, he's he, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, of course, you know, Jordan Cairo, who I think I think he's still rookie eligible. So would he be would he be eligible for the Calder this year? I, I'm pretty sure he would be. I think if he's considered a rookie, he would be available for the Calder. That's a great question. Something I, I, I definitely probably should look up. Yeah, and that's and that's a that's a conversation that's starting to happen on Twitter. You know, we, we're looking at the uh, newcomers of the year, and Kairu's being mentioned among some of the better newcomers, like uh, Kaprizov and Minnesota, a few others that are getting mentions. I mean, Kairu's a point per game guy, and you know he's and, and he's he's been a real spark for this team. But it, it kind of goes. But going back to the Coyotes, it, it's like I told Corey and Richie, uh, you know, Sunday and Monday. Um, it feels like this team's kind of getting by a little bit on talent, but there are issues that they need to overcome. And and like I said, maybe this adversity is you know when 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 you know they've lost three straight, they're getting frustrated. You know, remember when the Blues made their big run, you know, for the Stanley Cup a couple seasons ago, there was that fight in practice, you know, between Sanford and Bortuzzo. And some people look back at that as the pot as, as the spark that maybe lit the fire under the team, because that was right after Coach Berube took over, you know, mm -hmm. from Mike Yo. And then it seems like the fortunes improved kind of right there. Maybe they need it. Maybe maybe they actually need this series against the Coyotes to uh to, to get back to form that's that that's me trying to be putting putting a positive spin on this because i'm just so tired of the coyotes i i just i i've said it before i've said it so many times already i'm just i'm just done with them well we've talked so much in the past about how they and nashville are the only team that the blues have like yeah. really truly struggled against the last few years as well they just somehow have our number. They're not a great team in any stretch of the imagination. But like Corey and Richie said, I mean, especially Corey said, for Arizona to win these games, they have to get under the Blues' skin. They have to frustrate them. They have to they have to make the Blues become frustrated. And I think that is what is going on right now. The, the Coyotes are doing just enough. And let's not let's let's talk about Connor Garland for a second. He's one yeah. of the most underrated players in the NHL right now. And I think he's got a point in every single game of this series so far. He's a guy that's he's a pest. You know, it's not yeah. so much that he's going around hitting people, anything like that. He's just a pest. He he knows where he, he needs to be with the puck. He needs he knows where he needs to be, you know, when someone else has the puck. He always his name is always being called in the games. And I think that's something that 
the Blues have to address. They, they cannot let one guy continuously be the one that people are, are talking about. They need to get a body on him. They need to throw him off of his game. And yes, Arizona has other guys. They've got Keller. They've got Kessel, who honestly, his name hasn't been mentioned a whole lot the last couple of games. Oh. Kessel is not just not there, but they've got those guys. And then you've got Kemper and Ronson and goal. You have to kind of get these guys off their game. And that's something the blues haven't been able to do just yet in this series. Yeah, Christian Dvorak for the Coyotes has four goals in four games against the Blues. He has six points in total. Going into this series, he had three goals total, you know, so far for the season. Um, Playing against the Blues has woken him up. You mentioned Garland. Garland's woken up this series. Hell, even the the pride of Swansea, Illinois, Clayton Keller, he has four points in four games. He, He has a goal and assist in each of the last two games, and he's a plus three. I mean, there's, you know, this, like I said, this is not a team that you want to, you know, get momentum, you know, going for this season. This is a team that you don't, you know, want to see in the playoffs. Ask Nashville how they (laughs) feel about seeing Arizona in the playoffs. You know, thank you very much, Arizona, for that last year. But okay, we're, we're, we're past that and we went and we moved on. Of course, and speaking of moving on, you know, this is all being caused. And this is a little bit of a a notes that are blues uh, uh, segment here. This is all caused, of course, by COVID-19 and teams that are struggling with dealing with COVID and uh, maybe some questions about the NHL, how the NHL has handled COVID so far. But in just the past 10 days alone, six teams were shelved due to pandemic precautions. Of course, I've noticed because in our THPN Fantasy uh, Hockey League, I think about <laughs> two thirds of my roster has not been able to play because of games that are postponed. Uh, you have Vegas, you have Buffalo, you had New Jersey, you had Minnesota, Colorado, and on Tuesday, Philadelphia. Six teams there. Uh, Dallas and Carolina, of course, were shut down. In fact, Dallas, you know, missed the start of the season, but they're back up and running now. Uh, Petrangelo in Vegas, by the way, I think I just saw that he is now off the COVID list. He didn't play Tuesday night because it turns out, you know, you need to kind of, when you get COVID, you need to some time to ramp up. Uh, Wish the Blues knew that last year in the playoffs, but regardless. Um, so we are, we are the Blues. By the way, the Blues, I believe, are the only team that have not had a single player listed oh, in the geez, COVID you protocol. Did it again. I did it again. You know what? I, I said it. I said it. I said it this past episode, and nothing happened. So I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm. If it worked this, you know, Monday, it'll work today. Okay. okay. That's okay. what I. That, that's what I'm. That's that's that's. I'll still knock the wood anyway, but it, but we, we talked a little bit about this with, with Corey and Richie Wags, and it's like this is a this is kind of t- I feel the NHL is kind of teetering on catastrophe here because you cannot have this many teams that are out at one time with with COVID issues and still have a functional league. You have situations like where the Blues are playing the Coyotes seven times because they needed to fill games. Otherwise, with Minnesota being out with Colorado being out, you would have gone, the Blues would have gone over a week in between games. And that's, that's, that's a good, and, and when you're a team like the Blues, that is, you know, maybe having some issues coming out of the gate, you know, playing a little bit tight without confidence, not playing hockey for over a week uh, will not help those issues at all. And it's just, Wags, what, what can the NHL do to, to keep this from happening? Honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Shortening the season, for all teams, I don't think is an option. I, I think you're just going to have to play the games that you can play, and it's going to come down to point percentage, just like Major League Baseball did last year. Uh, that's what it's going to come down to. I think the scary thing is the fact that Vegas went through the whole COVID thing with Alex Petrangelo. Then they got back on out on the ice, and then Tomas Nosek gets pulled in the middle yes. of the game because he tested positive. That, I think, is the scariest part to me, is that they went through all of this. They had all their players quarantined. They did everything that the NHL said that they needed to do. They got cleared. They got back out on the ice, and now they're back in it again. That, to me, is the scary thing because, yeah, right now it's six teams. Well, who's to say that three of these teams come back and another player tests positive and they're out again? That's where yeah. things get very, very tricky. Um, and I, I just I don't know what else they can do because it seems to me that the NHL is doing – everything that they're supposed to. Yes, they're removing the glass behind the benches. They're keeping people socially distant. I don't know if it means a ban on fans again or not. I don't think that's the the, the cause of everything. 
I just don't know what else they can do. I think they just kind of had to weather the storm and get to the end of the season, do the yeah. percentage points, and then really hope the vaccine rolls out fully before the next season starts. Yeah, and you bring up Vegas, you know, which is, you know, interesting because I feel the Blues dodged a bullet when they played Vegas this year with the coaching staff being pulled from a game. The Henderson Silver Knights, you know, had to be you had to coach that game and then the GM was the head coach and then you you get the Thursday game canceled because Petro goes on the COVID protocol. He was out on I, the ice in that Tuesday night game. He too. was at well at Jordan Cairo knew he was out on the ice yeah. Tuesday night because Cairo torched Petro. <laughs> That's right. I that Petro's face will be one of those images I will never, ever get out of my head, and it's a glorious image. But regardless, you know, I mean, I feel the Blues were lucky to not get any issues themselves in that game um, after that series. And, of course, you mentioned the Nosek situation, which, by the way, the as of the time we're recording this, the game between the Ducks and the Golden Knights Thursday night is still scheduled to go on. Uh, rapid PCR point of care test will be administered to all players and staff on both teams in advance of that game. And any decision regarding potential postponement will be made by the league and officials. And that's the uh, NHL statement on that game there. So very, very scary stuff there. And it's just, um, you know, if, if, if Vegas can't play tomorrow night, well then that, you know, that's, that's another team that can't play the ducks because, now they're going to have to be worried about whether Nosa gave them COVID. You know, it's it's just and it's just it, it. This is this is going to be a. They were they were talking last year in the playoffs whether the Stanley Cup winner, which of course was Tampa, would have to have like an asterisk next to their you know name in the record books because it was a shortened season and then they played in the bubble. I feel this season, whoever wins the Stanley Cup this season has a better argument for having an asterisk next to their name because. This is chaotic with what's going on with COVID here. It's an even shorter season and it's just, it's just, it's just nuts. And it, it, it's, it, this will, whoever wins the Stanley Cup will have gone through a season truly unlike any other. 100% agree on that because you don't know how many games these teams are going to be playing. You don't know who you're going to be playing. And here's the other part the fact that you have a Canadian division and the West and the Central and the East. Now, you may have teams playing in the Stanley Cup final that would never have played in the Stanley Cup final. You could have, yep. you know, a Montreal versus New York Rangers situation or something to that effect where two Eastern Conference teams or two Western Conference teams face off each other. That's where more of an asterisk would come in as well because that's just something that doesn't happen. So, yeah, it's going to it's a year unlike any other again and again. we're just going to have to continue to push through and deal with it. And it you know, we go into this season and we thought, okay, the Blues had a really good chance of being one of the top three teams in the West, which means they're probably one of the top five teams in the West and have a really, really good shot of making it to the Stanley Cup final. Now, I, I it's so hard to sit there and handicap it because you just don't know who's going to be there at the end. Right now, I think Florida's in second place in the East. And a lot of people were sitting there thinking Florida was going to be an afterthought. I think I had them in the playoffs, but... They, they they may be there. So until you get to that point, you're just not really going to know who's going to be eligible for the playoffs and who's going to make a push. So yeah, it, an asterisk is probably something that is going to be put next to the champion this year. It's yeah. not so much a black mark like it would be for you know the steroid era or things like that in Major League Baseball. I think it's just more of a matter of like, hey, this was a wildly different year. This is why they're they are the champion over who they played. Absolutely. Uh by the way, in just a few minutes, we'll uh, have Alex Ferrario here on Blue Notes uh, from 101 ESPN. You had a chance to talk to him before we started recording today. We'll play a part of that interview on Crunch Time. But, Wags, you know, you grew up in the St. Louis area. I grew up in the St. Louis area. And, of course, that means we grew up with, like, 590 The Fan. And then nowadays, it's 101 ESPN that's, you know, really popular for, you know, sports talk. And sports talk has been a part of our lives, Wags, basically since we can remember and imagine just for a moment that you're listening to Alex Ferrario on 101 ESPN. And then all of a sudden, at the top of the hour, you're told 101 ESPN is going off the air for good. And you start hearing Green Day's Good Riddance playing. Well, it happened in three Canadian cities this week. Three TSN radio stations, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Hamilton, just suddenly ceased. 
to exist on Monday. It was at 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. There was a very quick announcement that the stations were shutting down. Green Day's Good Riddance played, and then just silence. They and played Good Riddance on the. They did. Well, oh they're they're probably thinking, "Oh, you've had the time of your life," but it's like think of the title of the song, "Good yeah. Riddance." And if if you have followed, you know, hockey Twitter, you know, especially in Canada this week. You have seen nothing but just abject hate and bile, including from myself, even towards Bell. You know, of course, the company behind Let's Talk, you know, you know, let, let's talk about the mental health issues that will arise from the employees that you just axed this week. Um, imagine, imagine that happening here in St. Louis. I mean, just could you imagine the vitriol if 101 and 590 just went it would be insane, and you—you you actually probably would be able to speak a lot better on this because you work at KMOX, and they're not necessarily a strict sports talk station, mm-hmm. but there is sports talk on there, and it would be the same sort of thing where if KMOX was to be like, "Done, see ya, everybody out." And I think the bigger yep. part of it is uh, just reading through everything that went down on Twitter. It's like the employees didn't even know. No. They didn't know until the announcement was made on the radio that they didn't have jobs anymore. I think that's the thing that makes it even worse. Like I can understand yeah. in a pandemic era with what's going on, you don't have the money to pay people and you say, hey, look, right now sponsors are just not coming in. We just don't have the money. Which we, is we, not it, true in Bell's it, case, by the way, not, but go ahead. It's not. But say, hey, look, we've got enough money to make it another month. At the end of the month, we are going to have to shut down unless something dramatic happens, obviously at least you have a month to plan and say, look, I, I got to find another job. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And they may even sit there and say, Hey, look, when things change and we start to get things back, we will eventually switch back to, to sports talk and people can come back and all that stuff. But the fact that you sit there and go, um, we're not making the money. We thought we were going to make, um, cut it. See you later. Bye. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the thing that pisses me off the most because you're, you're affecting people's livelihoods. You're affecting people's mm-hmm. families. And, and health and, and all of that stuff. And like you said, Bell is all about the let's talk about mental health. You hit it right on the head. It's so a joke. You, only, you only care about the mental health of people that can pay your salaries, yeah. um, not the people that actually help build you to where you're at now. Yeah, they they care about the mental health of their shareholders, you yeah. know, which which, by the way, Bell received. I think they announced within the last month that they had received like one hundred and twenty two million dollars in, you know, government uh, aid, you know, for the pandemic. And then they increased their dividends for stockholders even within the last week. And then all, but they still had to shoot their profitable sports stations. You know, TSN in Vancouver was crushing the other sports talk station in that market. And of course, Vancouver, as we all know. You know, you're talking about rabid sports fans. I mean, they they'll flip and burn cars if they don't get their way in Vancouver, um, Winnipeg. I mean, what else is there to do in Winnipeg? And you know, Hamilton, of course. You know, which is you know a you know suburb of Toronto. I mean, we're talking three big markets here. And the the, the sad thing about this wags is I part of my vitriol. I I on my personal Twitter, Tom Franklin STL. I had a lot of you know, venom towards Bell over what happened, even though it's, you know, not my town, you know, not, not my sports talk station. I had that vitriol because I was a part of that myself. You know, when I was working in Memphis in 2014, 2015, I just arrived in, in Memphis in June. You know, I was leaving a bad situation in North Dakota and they made me the news director of their news talk station there. And for, I was there for nine months and I'll never forget, it was the very end of February, and we were all called into a conference room. And apparently, the, there, there had been rumors that this was going to happen, but I wasn't privy to them. But we had a corporate guy who we never met come in and say, hey, we are changing the format at noon to classic hip-hop of your station, and you're all out of a job, basically. At noon? At noon that day. So we we had a syndicated show that we ran from nine to noon. We 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 let that run, and then just right at noon, pop, here's Busta Rhymes. You know, it, it was it was it was just like that. It was the it was the equivalent of you know you know taking everyone out behind the woodshed and putting a career bullet in their brains. And, and it was it, it was it was it was hard to take. 
And you you sort of the only justification for rate and this my story is not unique. The TSN story is not unique. The reason they do this is so that you don't have a bunch of disgruntled anchors on the air, you know, sabotaging the station on their way out. You know, it's just it's, you know, as as Triple H would say, it's bad for business. Um, But there's got to be a more humane way to do this. There's got to be a better way, you know, instead of just in the middle of a pandemic, telling a bunch of hardworking, talented, succeeding employees that you're gone and your station by the end of the week will be basically a funny format, you know, where two of the stations I uh, will be like a um, like Sirius's comedy channel where they just, you know, there's just, just a bunch of stand up and, you know, you know, recorded stuff. And then I think the station Hamilton's becoming like a business station, you know, like a Bloomberg radio station. But it's just it's rough in a pandemic. And it's just I, I couldn't imagine that happening here in St. Louis. But it's just a reminder that, you know, it could. It could, it, and it's it's scary. It very well could, and I guess maybe I maybe I have more faith in humanity than anything else. That I would hope that if someone were to come to you and tell you the truth about what's going on and say, "Look, we're moving on," that you stick it out and you know put in the work for the final month that you're there. That, I think that's yeah. the thing that bothers me the most is that yeah, we can be mad about them doing this on such short notice. And yes, you wish there's more, a more humane way to do it. But on the other side of the coin, if someone were, if someone in management were to come to you and say, Hey, look, things aren't going well. This is our decision that we're going to be making in a month. As an employee, you're still employed by them for another month. You should give your all and push through to the very end. Yes. You're not going to be there on April 1st when that time rolls around, but you should still have enough pride in your job and in yourself to be able to finish out that course of action properly. Cause it's still reflective yeah. on you. Yeah. Whether, whether you were being laid off or you decide to quit, but I get it too. Like that would yeah. piss me off as well. That if they can't, if a company came to me and said, Hey, on this side, you know, this is just like major league baseball signing their television agreement and then telling the players they can't pay them. Like if you're, on one hand making all this money and then you come to me and say yeah we're not making a whole lot of money so we're gonna have to let you go that doesn't jive well with me so i can understand the thought process and the mindset of like why am i gonna push to do work for this group when they're not you know willing to you know step up for me but it it, once again it's another one of those double-edged swords that (laughs) it pretty much fills our lives apparently well, I don't know the situation with the TSN people, but like when I was axed in Memphis, of course, we weren't part of a union or anything like that, but I, they still gave me severance. They they gave me a month's severance, and that helped because I was luckily I was only out of work for a month. And then by, you know, the end of the month, I was in Fort Wayne and, you know, the rest is history there. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like it, it, but I keep thinking, like, you know, if they had like come to me like at the end of January, a month earlier and said, hey, uh, we're going to be changing the format of the station um, if you sign this agreement, we'll give you a severance, but please don't badmouth the station yeah. and continue doing a job. Good job. I would have done that. And, and I would have been grateful that they gave me notice so that I could start looking, you know, you know, for positions elsewhere, you know, and, you know, still fulfilling my deal with, with, um, uh, cumulus at the time. Um, I would have totally understood, but I guess, I guess I'm not everybody. And yeah. I guess, and unfortunately in radio, you get some bad actors that, you know, spoil it for everyone. So. It is unfortunate, but thankfully, Wags, uh, you talked to one of the good actors in radio, a uh, guy that I worked with for a little while in KMOX, Alex Ferrario, and um, we're going to have a little bit of his uh, interview right now here, Wags, and uh, what'd you guys uh, talk about? Oh, everything under the sun. We talked about Justin Falk, Jordan Cairo, Vladimir Tarasenko. It was just a great conversation, a lot of fun. Uh, he, had, he did speak glowingly of KMOX because he did work there before... Uh, moving over to 101 ESPN with the Blues. Uh, very interesting story in, on why he moved. It wasn't so much that he didn't like Game OX. He just got a chance to be with the Blues. He loved what he was doing. Yeah. And the opportunity to move full-time into that position came along. So uh, just a great conversation, a great guy. And we were just incredibly fortunate to have him on. Yeah, it was a, it was a move that was definitely understandable among everyone at KMOX. You know, he was part-time at KMOX. Now he gets to be full time at ESPN, and they—they're using him. They're using him an awful lot, and he's—I know—he's having the time of his life, Alex Ferrario. So let's go ahead and uh, get to it right now. This is our Blue Notes face-off of the week, courtesy 
of Wags and Crunch Time. It's the Blue Notes Face Off of the Week. We're going to jump in and talk a little bit about Justin Falk and how much better he's looked this year. Do you, th- do you think this year is just the fact that he feels comfortable? You know, that last year he was trying to fit into the, to a new organization and now he feels comfortable and feels a part of a team. Do you think that's what we're seeing? Yeah, without question. And it's unfortunate. Uh, backstory for you guys. I, I have a baby on my way, so that's why I have this bushy beard. If it wasn't, I would have a Justin Falk mustache right now <laughs> because this guy has been incredible this season for the Blues. But but you nailed it, Scott. I, I mean, Justin Falk last season was – he was not comfortable. I, I mean, I did this a lot, and I talked about this a lot on the postgame. Put yourself in his shoes where you were drafted by a team. You basically were in the same system your entire career – and then a couple of weeks before the season begins, you're traded to the team that just won the Stanley Cup. Not only are you traded to that team, but you are the only new face in that locker room. And the guy that was traded for you was a mainstay in that locker room, and Joel Edmondson. So Justin Falk already getting off to the foot of, oh, hey, I got to really kind of acclimate myself. And then he gets a contract extension where everyone is comparing him to Alex Petrangelo. That's not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, and Joe Vitale, uh, uh, our broadcaster on Blues Broadcast, he tells the great story of when the Blues were out in Washington, D.C. at the White House. Everyone was at the White House, players, personnel, coaches, except one guy, and that was Justin Falk. He had to stay back at the hotel room. He was in the locker room on the opening night when they raised the banner. So, yes, he did not feel comfortable with this Blues team at the beginning. And credit to Justin Falk. He never made excuses for himself. He always told the media, I need to play better. But I think the biggest thing for Justin Falk this season is he's not trying to figure out who he is. He knows that he's a top four defenseman for the St. Louis Blues team. He knows that for 56 games, he's going to be playing on the right side with either Tory Krug or with Marco Scandella. And that changes things. Like when you can focus on doing the same thing every night, it brings your opportunity to go out there and perform to the level that you're able to. I think last season, Justin Falk was trying to be, he was trying to be a different player than what the Justin Falk was in Carolina. This season, he's playing as the Justin Falk from Carolina, if not better, in my opinion. And we saw that a lot in 2019 as well to start the season. You brought in a bunch of new faces, including Ryan O'Reilly. And it took a while for that team to really kind of gel and get together and get going. And then we all know how that ended. Uh, do we see the same sort of thing happening this year? I mean, not a lot is, of, of many new players, but you do have Krug in here. You did lose Alex Petrangelo. You're still without Vladimir Tarasenko. Is that kind of what we're seeing right now with the struggles, yes, it is against the Coyotes, who we never played well against the last couple of years, but is that part of the, the struggle as well? Yeah, I, I do really think that's what's the problem. Now, I will say this. They're not going to be the worst team in the National Hockey League at the midway point like we saw in 1819. Um, I could promise you that. This season, they're not bad, in my opinion. I mean, frankly, they're tied for second place right now in their division, but they're playing really solid hockey. They're just still lacking that, 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 that mold that they've had in the past that makes them a good hockey team, and that's because of the new faces. You know, with Tory Krug, you, you not only have a, a guy that's replacing Alex Petrangelo, but you also have a guy that's, that's bringing a different game set into your style of hockey. Tory Krug's not Alex Petrangelo that's going to throw the body around and play physical. He can – but Tory Krug is a speed defenseman who can transition the puck out of the zone. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman has been playing Eastern Conference hockey his entire career. Ottawa Senators, Florida Panthers. It's basically been, I'm going to stand at the blue line, and I'm going to wait for you to get me the puck, and I'm going to take a shot. This is a different skill set for him. He's going out there, and he's having to forecheck and work to get his own shots and his own opportunities to shoot the puck. So, If you look at the areas that this Blues team is struggling in, it's power play. Look at the new faces on that. You got Hoffman. You got Torrey Krug. You don't have Alex Petrangelo. 
It's penalty kill. Look at the new faces on it. You don't have Jay Bowmeister. You don't have Alexander Steen. And you don't have Alex Petrangelo. Craig Berube was on 101 yesterday, and he said that this team right now is playing about where they should be. But if you give them a little bit more time, they're going to turn into the team that we expect them to be. And I fully expect this team to compete for that number one spot all season with Colorado and Vegas. It's just a matter of getting these guys comfortable in the new system. And let's remember, guys, these they're, they're not having the opportunities to, to go out on the road and go out for beers with their teammates or hang out after games. They're either going on the road in your hotel room or you're coming home, you're going to the rink, and then you're going home. And that takes a shot to chemistry without question. It really does. And it's it's great to see the Blues haven't had any issues to this point. And and going on, you know, the guys that were missing, Bowie Sir, that's a big loss. Dean, that's a big loss. Is there someone who can step up to take the places of those missing spots? Yeah, it's a great question, Joe. Um, I think for Alexander Steen's spot where it's that leadership and it's that penalty kill, I think that's Braden Shen. And Braden Shen has done a phenomenal job of that this season, not just in the penalty kill aspect, but also in the leadership because he's not, he's not, he doesn't have to be the vocal guy. He's more of the lead by example guy because he's one of the hardest workers out there every night for the Blues. Um, I don't know if somebody can replace Jay Bomeister because he is one of the best skaters in the game. But I think with more, excuse me, with more time, Nico Mikola can get to that level. I don't know if he's ever going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player because that's what Jay Bomeister is. But I will tell you that Nico Mikola can be a very impactful player on the defensive side. It's just kind of getting some of those those new rookie bugs out the more that he plays. And as for Alex Petrangelo, I don't think anybody is ever going to replace what he brought to this team. But over time, Colton Pareko can become that number one defenseman. Right now, I think it's just a matter of we're looking at it in such a short, small window of we're 13 games in, post-Alex Petrangelo. A lot of people, I feel like, looked at this and said this team either be, better be the best in the league or they're not going to be any good. And right now, they're just in the middle. But I think the more that they go the more that they're going to transition their identity into a team that can still play the heavy style, but also bring the speed element into their game. So this isn't so much of an individual player that takes over a role of a player that was lost. This is more so of a identity from a group of team that's transitioning that won the cup to another team that wants to win the cup. So we've seen a different Jordan Cairo emerge this year on the ice. Do you think he's, He's just gotten comfortable in the system and kind of taken what Ruby has tried to teach him to heart and kind of matured? Or do you think there's something else that's causing him to and do you think he can keep up all year? You know, this is the part I'm so frustrated with because I, I wish I could be in the locker room and talking with these guys because Jordan Cairo had great conversations with him last season in training camp. And, you know, he, remember, he was stunted with that knee injury last season from the AHL the year prior to where he basically was – a month late into the start of the season, if I'm not mistaken there. So I think health has a lot to do with it. But look, Jordan Kyrou was told at the end of the season, you got to be stronger on the puck. You got to be smarter in your own zone and you need to build some strength. And guess what he did? He went into the off season. He put eight pounds of muscle on. He focused on the defensive aspect of his hockey game and he emerged as a reliable scoring winger. He's always had this capability in him. It's just that transition from junior hockey to the AHL to the NHL. So I don't think anything really changed for Jordan Cairo. I just think it was kind of a wake-up call from the amount of time that he played last season where if things didn't go well, he was benched. And remember, he was doing that on the fourth line for these guys. It's not like he was playing with Shannon Schwartz last season. He was playing with Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist and Tyler Bozak. And that's no disrespect to those guys. But it's a different role. So I think right now for Jordan Cairo, it's one, he has the confidence that he can do this at the NHL level. But two, he's on the ice with very responsible players in Shen and Schwartz that can find that available ice for him. 
but also allow him to play his game. So Jordan Cairo has always been this player. It was just a matter of when he's able to kind of bust out of that uh, that shell that he's been in. All right, so you said Jordan Cairo basically was told what to do, and he went in the offseason and he did it. We've seen Colton Pareko year in and year out have something he needs to work on, and he will go out and improve that the following year. We've seen that for them. Vince Dunn is a guy that's been with us now. This is his fourth full season, and the same gripe continues to come up with a guy like him. Is that that he's just not able to improve on that? Um, is it is it a maturity thing? And if that's the case, are, are we very long in seeing Vince Dunn in a Blues uniform for the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, we've heard the rumors with Vince Dunn, which wasn't surprising to me because, look, let's be honest, they do have a little cap space issue right now when it comes to Tarasenko returning and they're going to have to open up about the exact same money that Vince Dunn makes. Um, but I also think when it comes to Vince Dunn, he had a really strange offseason, guys. I mean, his agent kind of set him up poorly to where he was supposed to be a restricted free agent and make more of a money, but he didn't get it. It was this one gap year where he basically was under the Blues control, so he either signed or he wasn't going to play hockey. But then on top of it, he not only saw the Blues give a contract to Scott Perunovich, who plays essentially the same style as Vince Dunn, but he also sees the Blues go out there and get Justin Falk the year prior and then sign Tory Krug, who all play a very similar style. So I think for Vince Dunn, there's a little bit of looking over the shoulder of, oh, man, I got these guys coming up behind me. I got these guys I got to compete with. Where do I fall into this team? But I also think it all it comes down to just him maturing more as a player. Because if you look at it, two years ago when they made that cup run, that was his best season as an NHL defenseman. And that was his second year in the league. Last season, he digressed a little bit for the Blues, but he took on more of a responsibility of being a top defenseman who was getting more minutes. And in this season, it's been the same thing. So I don't know if they're going to trade Vince Dunn because you need defensemen in the NHL like Major League Baseball. You need pitching. So I don't know if you want to move on from a Vince Dunn and then if for something happens, you're stuck with a Jake Wallman or a Scott Perunovich and not have that depth. But if Vince Dunn doesn't play to the level that the Blues are hoping for, then they might have to move on from him. So really it comes down to what Vince Dunn does. If he turns himself into a top four defenseman, then guess what? You don't have to move on from him because he's cheap, he's cost-controlled, and he's, he's essential to your team. But if he doesn't outperform guys like Justin Falk, Tory Krug, Colton Pareko, then he not only falls into the circumstance of do you have to trade him when Tarasenko becomes available – but he also falls into the, the 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 whole of what happens once this expansion draft starts. So I think there's just a lot going on for Vince Dunn right now, and it's more of a maturity thing of him just understanding what his role needs to be for the Blues moving forward. Clem Costin is tearing it up over the last week in the KHL. Um, he would have to quarantine for a few weeks since he's coming over from overseas. Uh, do you see the Blues bringing him over? Or do you think he has to prove a little bit more? Yeah, what's he got, like eight points in two games, eight points in three games? Like, that came out of nowhere because I've been talking about him on our intermissions as, as what's Clem Costin doing? Not a whole lot. I think he had two goals in, like, 13 games. Um, I, I think for right now, and this is just my opinion, I have no insight on this, I think the Blues are going to let him play out the rest of the season in the KHL. If they had the Springfield Thunderbirds, their AHL affiliate, playing – I think he would have been here this season, but because it's the Utica Comets that they're lending their prospects to, you don't need Clem Costin sharing ice time with Vancouver Canucks prospects. You need him playing and playing top six minutes. That's what he's getting in the KHL. So I know people right now are frustrated with, well, this team's not scoring enough and their power play stinks. And how do we get more depth from the bottom two lines? Well, Clem Costin helps. He might, but Right now, we already have an issue of finding out where, where Mike Hoffman's going to play. So if you bring Clem Costin over here and put him on the fourth line and play him nine, maybe ten minutes, I don't think that gives him an opportunity to grow. Let's all remember that he is still 21 years old. That, that is still a kid right now in the NHL. So if I'm the Doug Armstrong and I'm the Blues, finish out your season in the KHL, 
play top six minutes, be a top winger for this team, come over at the end of the KHL, quarantine, play on the Utica Comets for a little bit, and then once we get closer to the postseason, if we need help, Clem Costin's the guy. But for right now, I think I'd leave him over there, especially if he's tearing it up. Give this kid the confidence that he needs before he comes back over to North America. All right, let's let's hit the uh, the most important question, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> uh, what's your prognosis on his return, expectations, and really what are the Blues going to be able to do to kind of get his contract under the cap? So let's start with, with where he's at. Um, we found out last week that he's skating. Doug Armstrong basically gave the update that he's on track for what he was supposed to have. Reevaluated in February, which would have given him another month. About March is what we were looking at for Tarasenko. I think from what the Blues are telling us and the fact that he's on the ice and he's taking minimalistic shots, he's passing the puck, he's just kind of getting the field down, he's on track to come back in March. Now, expectations for Tarasenko? If I'm the Blues, I'm not rushing him back. I'm telling Tarasenko, wait until you are 110% because you don't need to happen what happened in the bubble last season, this season for Vladdy. So I think the Blues are going to be very cautious with where Vladimir Tarasenko's at. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at middle to end of March before Tarasenko comes back onto the ice. Now that's with the understanding that he gets reevaluated and things don't amp up and progress better than what they are right now. Expectations, I expect him to be the same Tarasenko he was before all of this. I know everyone talks about, well, it's the same shoulder. He's had shoulder injuries for three straight times now. To me, that doesn't matter. Like, you don't come back from an injury unless you're 110% ready to go. Now, does that mean he's not going to look like the same guy? Maybe. I've never dealt with a shoulder injury, let alone been a pro NHL player. So maybe he doesn't look like the same player. But my expectations are when Tarasenko comes back, he's going to be top six winger. He's going to get top six minutes. And he's going to be back and resort back to the 30-plus goal scorer that he once was. It's just a matter of how this recovery process is going. We can only go off of what he's telling us. And the last time we spoke to Vladimir Tarasenko, he said everything was feeling great. The surgery went well. He expects to be back at 110%. And I'm going to take him for his word because Vladimir Tarasenko has always been a workhorse for this Blues. I think he's going to be very impactful when he gets back into the lineup for the team at the end of the season and going into the postseason. We started playing the Coyotes on Groundhog Day. That's hilarious in itself. Uh, will this nightmare ever end? <laughs> yeah, you talk about irony, playing them on Groundhog's Day, and it feels like freaking Groundhog's Day with these guys. Um, well, I hope that it's going to end because, frankly, I'm getting sick of seeing the Arizona Coyotes. and Frankly, I'm sick of them taking points away from us. But I think this is a, this is a good thing for the Blues because they're still kind of in this – they're in this purgatory of trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to regain their identity as a hockey team. And I think Arizona is giving them an opportunity to say, hey, this is what you used to look like, right? Like Arizona is basically showing the Blues how the Blues play hockey. And the Blues just aren't putting up to the same level as them. So as much as we don't like them playing the same team as many times as they're playing them, I think the Blues are going to be better for these final three games in Arizona Blues, one, always seem to play better on the road. But two, they now understand what Arizona is presenting to them. So uh, this is going to be an intriguing matchup because if Arizona continues to steal points away from the Blues, they're going to be digging themselves out of a big hole because you're done playing these guys other than one more time after Monday afternoon. Like you have one more game in April against them. So if I'm the Blues, I'm focused – excuse me, if I'm the Blues, I'm focusing on – evening up this series with three wins on the road and then planning on possibly seeing these guys in the postseason, which I know people are a little afraid of, but I think the Blues right now are trying to get back to their style, and Arizona's just falling in the middle of this worst time for them. And that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes Wags. Any final thoughts? Just a great conversation with Alex Ferrario. We couldn't be more happier to have him on. 
to our friends that uh, may have been with TSN Radio, we are thinking of you. We wish the best, and anything we can do to help, we certainly will. And I'm just ready for more of this damn hockey against Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, as ready as I ever will be. And, of course, we do have some TSN employees here with us in the Hockey Podcast Network. I don't think any of them were directly affected by the cuts, but we're you're still in, your, in our thoughts, and uh, hopefully... Everything is going to be okay. I understand the stations in Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal, they're fine for now. But you're right. It's, 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 we're looking forward to those damn coyotes once again this weekend. And uh, it's like Hoffman has then just got to open wide and just, just take it all in. So, and we'll definitely do that this weekend. Uh, like I said, that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for watching and listening because without you, there is no me, there is no wags. And there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.